Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. A beautiful, man, it is a beautiful day. Temperatures in the 70s. Hope everybody doing well, enjoying the weather. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about today. We will talk some Auburn basketball as the Tigers with Bruce Pearl has called it a must-win game tonight against Missouri. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about anything that that you would like in the uh, world of sports. But, but first of all, this afternoon we have a we have a very special guest joining us right here at the top of the show, and uh, we're pleased to be joined here on the Tuesday Drive with Bill and Dan. We're we're being joined by Auburn Athletics Director John Cohen, and and John first want to want to welcome you in to the drive, uh, and and just uh, just ask how things are going now. They're going well, Bill and Dan. I appreciate y'all having me on, and. Uh... Boy, a lot, lot going on. I, last week we had 13 different teams in action here on the Plains, and uh, baseball gets kicked off this week. Softball started last weekend, and uh, yeah, just just a lot of excitement here. Oh, absolutely. Now, here we're going to give you an example of the hard-hitting questions that we have here on the drive, some of the directions we go. It's, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's, everybody. Valentine's Day today. John Cohen was hired on Halloween. So, John, what is your favorite non-Christmas holiday? <laughs> oh, man, you got me. I, I'm, I'm a huge Thanksgiving fan I, because I've always just loved college football so much. And, you know, it's just what an incredible week of football um, on th- around Thanksgiving. And, of course, my background, you know, there's a little bit of Egg Bowl experience with the uh, Thanksgiving Day and you know, so many cool things that time of year. You know, volleyball's in full sprint, uh, full go, and soccer's in full go, and a lot of football during Thanksgiving. So I'm, I'm going to stay with Thanksgiving. Yeah, that 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 works for me. All right, yeah. So a little fun there at, at the uh, at the start, but I'm sure it hey, has hey, been. Let me let me bring this up too, though. Sure. It also gives me an opportunity to scream at my all my relatives who went to Alabama and uh, and tell them. You know, just give it to them. You know, that's that's uh, a great opportunity during Thanksgiving as well. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. Talking with John Cohen, Auburn AD here on the on the Tuesday Drive. Uh, yes, a little over three months now, and it, and I'm sure it's been a whirlwind. You were talking about all the things that are going on, but that in in addition to that, obviously, uh, you, you you've hired uh, Hugh Freeze as head foot head football coach, and things are off to a great start there as far as the acquisition of talent. But uh, uh, just just some of the things that I mean, I, I wonder have have you guys had a chance to to settle in a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, anytime you move, you know, it's a transitional experience. And, and, uh, actually my wife, Nell, is in Starkville right now, putting some things together and, and bringing them back to the Flames. Uh, we're so excited to be here. 
it, it, the folks, the Auburn people have been just so welcoming and the hospitality has been incredible. And, and of course, this Auburn spirit is something that uh, has really moved me. Uh, I've always heard about it. I, I've been around it, uh, but not inside it. And uh, it, it's just an incredible place to be and uh, really look forward to, as you mentioned before, working with Coach Freeze and, and uh, getting our football program where it needs to be. John, uh, the um, the move from Mississippi State, your alma mater, where where you where you played and coached for a long time. Just talk about. I, I'm sure that that was a uh, a difficult, really a difficult decision to make. But just talk about what what there was uh, about Auburn that really um, really spurred the move. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Uh... Mississippi State will always be part of my DNA. You know, I went to school there. I was a student athlete there. You never forget those experiences. By the way, I, I also have a degree from the University of Missouri, so I have two SEC schools. I've, I've, guys, I've actually lived in seven SEC cities, if you can believe that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love my experience at Mississippi State. Uh, Dr. Mark Keene, I'm one of the great presidents in the entire country. Uh, so much fun. Uh, obviously, a great to be there, enjoyed our time. But th- this was just a great opportunity for Nell and I. Um, Auburn's a really special place, and we just welcome this challenge. I, I-, I think, obviously, Auburn has so many positive things having go- going on, but every single institution has some challenges, and I felt like uh, my skill set really matched uh, what was needed at Auburn, and it, it was just a, a unique opportunity that just couldn't walk away from and uh, haven't regretted it one minute uh, because, again, you can feel this Auburn spirit, and not only in our, our students here, uh, not only the faculty and staff on this campus, um, but, but our former student-athletes as well. I mean, it's just, you know, I've, I've made this comment before. When you have athletes who have attended Auburn who have transcended their sports, I'm talking about the Rowdy game, the Bo Jacksons, um, the uh, Charles I mean, uh, Charles Barkley. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, the, the big hurt, Frank Thomas, mm. the only SEC player in history who's in the Hall of Fame. That's still they, amazing to transcended me. Their sport. Yeah, that's incredible. You're right, because... I mean, right now in the big leagues, there's a, I think there's over 100 SEC players in the big leagues, and yet only one Hall of Famer who just happens to be an, an Auburn alum. So, yeah, just, just um, it, the tradition here and, and the athletes who have come through this, this great athletic department, this great university, uh, just, just a ton of positives. John, it's uh, Dan Peck here. First, first of all, Palmero should be in, but I don't want to get us sidetracked on on something else. But there's <laughs> well a can of worms there. Well, one, one of our one of our best friends who played baseball here oh. back when I was doing the play by play is good friends with Will, and uh, and and he constantly is is you know wondering why why he's not. There's some so. other SEC players with, with good arguments <laughs> that aren't that aren't in, in Cooperstown. Uh, John, it's nice to talk to you again. Actually, as as a matter of fact, about a year and a half ago, uh, I moonlight as the radio play by play guy for the Troy Trojans. With women's basketball team and about a year and a half ago uh, we were in Starkville uh, for a tournament and uh, and and we briefly exchanged pleasantries uh, at one of the games at, at that event but it's, uh, it's it's nice to talk to you again in, in a different capacity here in Auburn and, and I'd love to know uh, your initial impressions of some of Auburn's facilities as athletics director especially uh, the Waltus Center which, which just opened up the new football uh, training facility and and some of the other things that Auburn has to offer its coaches and players 
Certainly. Yeah, I, I think the Walto Center and what a what a human what a tremendous man, Walt Waltos and his family, um pl- pledged uh, a nice gift to for that that building to become a reality, and I, I guys, I haven't seen them all. I've seen a lot of them, but I've, I, I haven't seen them all. But this is certainly the best football facility of its kind I've ever seen. Um, I, I think it's a tremendous advantage for our football student athletes. Um, <clears throat> I will say that we're about to start some some construction uh, in the near distant future on baseball, making mm-hmm. some improvements there. What an incredible job Butch Thompson has done here. Um, of course, the, the Neville Arena, I think, is, is one of the best in the SEC, one of the great atmospheres in the country. Um, but we, we need some help in, in some areas. You know, we, we have to do some work, uh, eventually on, on our, the north end zone. I think that, uh, we need to do some work with our, our softball facility, although I think we just built one of the best indoor facilities for softball in the entire country. Uh, soccer needs a little help. Um, I think there's several areas in which we can improve, but I think overall there's no question that Auburn has outstanding facilities. Well, you knocked off one of the uh, questions I had, and that's some folks were wondering about the possibilities there over at Jordan-Hare. So we'll move on uh, to something else. Boy, I mean, it's an ever-changing face, that of college athletics and the Southeastern Conference. We now know that Texas and Oklahoma will be joining the league for 2024, and uh, that means there will be changes in the in the scheduling. And uh, you know, I, I've been a proponent of the nine game, three three permanent, six rotating. Nothing is finalized yet, but uh, things are going to be different. I mean, we're we're going to the uh, to the larger postseason playoff. Uh, it, it's going to be uh, really interesting as as we move along. Just some of your thoughts with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league and and the future of scheduling. Well, you, you certainly mentioned you know a three six scheduling model <laughs> is attractive for many reasons. Of course, it expands um, what what it's going to be available to our partners, our multimedia rights partners. It also makes your season ticket. Um, I, you know, it makes your season ticket uh, package a little more exciting, a, a, a lot more teams that you haven't seen before coming uh, to your place. But I, I will say this about the 1-7, uh, the, the, the old eight-game schedule. It mm-hmm. hasn't been bad for the Southeastern Conference. Oh, it's I been mean, great. If you look at the history you know, of all the, the, the leagues in the country that have been playing nine conference games, how, how many of those conferences have been producing – either a national championship team or a team playing for a national championship. Of course, in the Southeastern Conference over the last 14 years, uh, it's been a very common occurrence for an SEC team to be right there. So I don't think our scheduling has hurt us in that regard. Um, so I, I think both of those different scheduling models has a lot to, to offer. One is tradition. One is a little bit more of a, is it really broke? Do we need to fix it? And one is, yeah, there, there are more opportunities with more uh, conference games, it seems that uh, the the only scheduling that most folks have have even thought about is football. But sixteen teams is going to change things for scheduling in every sport. It will, and you know, it, it, one of the tough things about it. I mean, if you take baseball just as an example, right? So you're going to play ten SEC weekends. You know what? What if you play ten SEC weekends in the sport of baseball? And you miss the five best teams in the league. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that could happen. I mean, 
you, you look at a sport like baseball, you, you play your 10 weekends and you say, okay, we missed the five best teams in the SEC. And even though we just won the SEC outright, and I'm talking about any team in the league can win this league because it's that good, but okay, we, we just missed five of the best teams in the league. So our RPI as the league champion might be 22, and the team that finishes in fifth place, RPI might be number two or three in the country because they might have played the most difficult schedule in the SEC. So that variance is going to cause some um, – it's going to be really fun for fans to follow that. You know, in, in a sport like basketball, you're going to cover the league. You're going to play mm-hmm. every team at least once. Um, and, and, but, you know, it's, it's more like softball. You know, eight conference weekends and you have 16 teams. So you have 15 possible opponents. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're going to have some snafus where you're going to say, wow, I didn't get to play much. That's one of the reasons, one of the things I love about what's going to happen in football forever. You know, I'll just use Kentucky as an example. Under the old uh, scheduling model with football, Auburn's playing Kentucky at home once every 12 years. You know, we're, uh, Auburn's going to Kentucky once every mm-hmm. 12 years. You know, that's, that's not what the college experience is supposed to be. I, I, I remember playing myself, even though it was a hundred years ago, guys, getting to go to every one of the conference campuses matters. It matters. And it matters I to fans too. going to get that opportunity. Yes, exactly. Talking with Auburn University Director of Athletics, John Cohen, here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. John, what can you tell us about the role NIL plays in assembling a roster in modern college athletics and where Auburn is positioned on an NIL front uh, right now? Well, certainly it, it's, it's something that it's become increasingly important. Um, you know, so, so many student-athletes uh, want the opportunity, and I, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. I, I want, I do believe that uh, our student athletes should have every opportunity in the world to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Unfortunately, that's not really what's happening around happening around the country right now. What's happening is um, there are you know groups, different types of groups, who are uh, essentially uh, you know not absolutely requiring young people to to earn the money necessarily uh they they're collecting and, and giving them money and not necessarily what it was intended to do and i think what it's intended to do is to test young people and allow them to uh use their own ingenuity and and go out and make money specific to their name image likeness and, and of course we know it, it's grown into something besides that it's grown into a free agency that it's a little bit unrecognizable for us. So I do think we need guardrails. I think we need some clarity, and I, I think things need to change. I've heard this many times, guys, and I really believe it. Um, it's never going to be like it was before, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the way it is right now. And I, I hope that we can make some changes that are they're going to clarify some issues around name, image, and likeness for our student athletes. And 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 you're absolutely not the only person that that is uh, hoping that that exact thing. Uh, in the final couple minutes that we have, I had quite a few other things, but we obviously can't keep you uh, for too long. Wanted to get your thoughts on uh, some of the announcements today that are coming out as a longtime uh, baseball coach. The, the rules, the new rules that are being implemented this year in the NCAA in baseball, the, the clock 
We've seen the clock, but the mound visit clock, the pitching change clock, and then the 10-run rule uh, implemented for conference games. Just your, your thoughts on those. Well, I, I'm, I'm probably alone in my beliefs here, but baseball had to do something, guys. It can't be a three-hour and 12-minute game in the Southeastern Conference. It needs to be a two-hour and 30-minute game, and that's the way it used to be. But that was before, you know, we heard walkout songs 80 times during the course of a ball game. It was before every pitcher had to have a walkout song. <laughs> it was before, you know, we, we picked 20-something times to get a relief pitcher warmed up in the bullpen. Um, Major you know, League that, might be to blame for that walkout song stuff, right? It's, it's Charlie Sheen coming out the wild thing <laughs> that got everybody wanting to be wanting to be that guy. I seriously had a question to ask John what his walkout song was or would have been. So, you know what? I I can't remember. I know that this was in 1989, 1990. It was starting to happen. Uh-huh. But I can't remember exactly what it was. John, what can you uh, briefly, and I know you could go for for a while about this, but but your impressions of the job Coach Freeze has been doing in his first uh, few weeks uh, as Auburn head coach? Yeah, he's done a tremendous job. I mean, you look at the recruiting class as it was, as it stood when he got here, and look at it the way it is today, guys. He just he's done a great job. And and keep this in mind, we throw around this term recruiting a lot, and, and in my the way I see it, it's not a ton of, uh, it's not as much recruiting as it is evaluation, right? There are a lot of kids out there who want to play SEC football. I, I think about 80 to, to 90% of it is evaluating the right young person for your program. And then 20% of it or 10% of it is talking them into it. Um, it's got to be a great fit. It just, it has to be a great fit. Uh, you've seen four stars and, and five stars, highly regarded kids maybe not go to the right program for them and, and, and have it not turn out very well. Um, I, I just love the process. It's not foolproof, but I love the process that Coach Breeze and his staff have gone through to evaluate the right kids and, and to bring them to Auburn University, and I think it's only going to get better. You know, I, our class is a top-20 class right now. Um, uh, we've, we've done very well with the transfers that were available to us. Um, but I, I think as you move forward, I, I think Coach uh, Freeze's classes are going to continue to get better and better. Talking with uh, with John Cohen, Auburn Athletics Director here on the Drive, and and uh, and and John, I I really um, uh, just looking at your background, you you have been around, been under uh, some some very prominent ads, and you also come from a little different area than most ads, having played and then coached. So uh, just just talk about drawing from from all those different resources. Yeah, I you know I think. Having been a coach, it's a very unique perspective because, you know, uh, it's funny. Over my career, I, I've had uh, I've had coaches say, "Hey, John, this is a tough place to to win." You know, wherever I've been, and uh, <laughs> and I'll say, "Hey, uh, do you think it's difficult to win in baseball at Kentucky?" Because uh, I've been there and I've done that, and I know how difficult it can be in, in this league. Um, when you're the, the northernmost uh, school in a southern uh, warm sport, um, it's difficult. It's challenging. But I, I've been through a lot of the challenges myself, and, I, and I've had some advantages during the course of my career, but, but I've been in some places that were, were challenging. So right. um, I think I can relate. I, I know that these coaches take it home with them every night, and wins and losses are excruciating. Uh, you know, wins have become relief, and losses have been torture. Um, there, there's 
you know, there hasn't for, for coaches, sometimes you can get to a point to where there's not a lot of joy left. And I'm, I am in a great position now in some ways to, to provide some comfort to our coaches, maybe some guidance at times. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I have failed and succeeded enough to where I feel like I can be, um, I can help a, a lot of coaches during the process. John, we really appreciate you spending some time. Know you're sort of running the uh, the gauntlet right now with, uh, with with a bunch of different folks, uh, a lot of us. So we really appreciate you uh, knocking out a few minutes, spending it with us. Hey, you're welcome anytime that you want here on the drive. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for the invitation. Yes, sir. John Cohen joining. John Cohen joining us here on the Tuesday drive. Yeah, he is a busy man. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really like, I really like everything, the direction that the entire athletics department is moving. I mean, we're, we're biased. I thought that yeah, was, outsta- absolutely. I thought that was outstanding. Oh, he is. I thought that was outstanding. Great, great stuff from, uh, from, from Robert's new, uh, director of athletics. We'll get to our first break of the afternoon. We'll open up the phone lines. Love for you to join in Auburn basketball tonight against Missouri. Anything on your mind sports wise, as we're just underway here on the Tuesday drive. Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 26 minutes after 4 o'clock here on this Tuesday afternoon. Our thanks to John Cohen. Auburn AD joining us, and uh, yeah, we, we may have to run that one again sometime this week. And yeah, there was so much more. Uh, I, I could have, you know, I could have sat and talked and asked questions for for the show. I, yeah, John Cohen. It was uh, wonderful that he made some time for us, and I really, uh, I really thought that he gave some illuminating answers yep. to some of the stuff we were talking about. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and that number to get you through three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And Matt is up first. Hey, Matt. Hey guys. Before I get my shoot a question at you, um, great interview. That was awesome. I, I really, uh, you guys asked the questions. I would like to. I know he's. He's going to have to be short on this kind of show, but still, uh, very good. I appreciate you guys having him on. Um, the question I had, you know, obviously we're in basketball having trouble making shots, and I thought Westry was going to be that guy. My sources over there told me his knee surgery was not that huge an operation. Have they just shut him down for the rest of the year? Yeah, the plan is to get a medical uh, on him. I mean, uh, Auburn will, at the minimum, play enough games for him to qualify for a medical. Yeah, I think it, it was as much. Uh, part of it was physical. Part of it was mental. Um, I mean, it's uh, a scoping. It's it's a it was a knee scope that he had, and uh, it's the kind of thing that takes a little while to come back from full speed and trying to get out and cut and just have the confidence in doing all that. Is something that um, it, it can take a while, especially if you've never if you've never had an injury of any type. Uh, it you know you 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 want to be really careful and and you and Auburn doesn't you know I mean he needs to be able to go full speed. He apparently is very close to it now, but they feel like you know if they could get that extra year, why not go ahead and do it? Well, it's not going to be one of those Powell things where he's unhappy and he's going to transfer. And, and I sure don't um, think so. No. Uh, there's no indication that he's unhappy with the coaching staff and just said, I'm not playing anymore, and, and that's it. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, is there anybody else 
besides um, oh the, the kid, the white kid, I can't remember his name that that's shown good good three. I guess the, those kind of guys. Jalen, I mean, Jalen uh, is probably one of Auburn's best three point shooters. It's just um, you know getting him enough shots and him and him taking the shots. I mean, he had a great first half the other night against Alabama. He's just got to do that, be more aggressive uh, because Auburn needs another guy. Allen has at times, but. You know, then he's the last couple of ball games he struggled from outside. Doesn't sound like they want to give up the defensive presence to get somebody out there. Maybe they can hit one. Um, I'm just thinking maybe we may be desperate to the point that we need to get somebody else that can hit a shot if he's not as good on defense. So be it. But thanks for taking my call. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate the call, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like all options are on the table. You know, we had someone earlier in the week suggest going big and playing Cromwell right. and, and Broom and maybe Jalen. Jalen at the together. three. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I think I think there's any number of ways you could maybe approach this, but I think Bruce isn't going to just roll the dice. He's going to make calculated risks on how to how to change things but still get the best out of his team. And it's going to be really interesting tonight against Missouri. All right, uh, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Barrett Salee joins us on the other side, so stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Bill and Dan here on this Tuesday afternoon. Dan, Dan's still, he wants divisions. I don't want divisions. We were discussing, no, no. They're we, not going to be divisions. We were discussing the fact I know. that in other sports, there may need to be divisions. I think, in baseball, I think in baseball, you do need to have divisions. As we were talking with John Cohen just a few minutes ago, uh, with 16 teams, you, you, uh, if you try to continue playing 10 conference weekends, as he said, you could miss the five best teams in the league, which coaches... Yeah, they wouldn't like the RPI, but they wouldn't mind that as far as wins and losses. And my but point, something's going to have to change when you get into other sports scheduling with 16 teams. And it's not necessarily a preference for divisions, but my point is that when you bring Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC, the easiest way to divide this, the conference into two eight-team divisions would be to move Alabama and Auburn from the west to the east. Right. and have two It's just not going to happen. That, way. that absolutely and, wouldn't happen if you did it in football. No, but you, you don't have to worry about that, that in football. That, well, that's not a possibility in football, but in other sports, sports that right. need divisions maybe maybe so. for, 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 for Yeah, clarity. maybe so. Why don't we ask? Why don't we That's ask uh, this next guy? We got some caller. Oh no, I know who it is. No, it's it's Barrett Salee from CBS Sports uh, and Sirius XM joining us here on the Tuesday Drive. Barrett, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Uh, doing pretty well. The hey, rare commercial break conversation that spilled over onto the air. I'd love your thoughts on the. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because most of them don't need to spill over onto the air. You know that divisions are you know seemingly doomed in the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma coming over. Doomed. Good riddance, man. Yeah, we, Bury them. I don't care about. I, I want. I want the two best teams playing and, for the title. And we're football. we're we're both. You know, I, I think that a three permanent opponent or three rival and six rotating system 
is is an intriguing way forward. The question would then become uh, who who's going to get the short end of the stick when the SEC decides uh, who the th- the three rivals are, right, Barrett? Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's probably what they're going through right now. Uh, you know, obviously, Greg Sankey said that there are two options are the one seven and the three six last year uh, at spring meetings, and it sounds like that's the way that they're sort still sort of stuck and trying to are stuck and trying to jockey for position. And you know, they're good points on either side. Um, I think the biggest thing right now is who gets Vanderbilt. You know, if, if it's a six three, who gets Vanderbilt? That's one of their permanents. Yeah, uh, probably Ole Miss because Ole Miss and Vandy are for whatever reason permanent opponents right now. But um, yeah, I mean, there there is a, a budding controversy about to happen uh, because clearly Birmingham is against every school that doesn't get Vanderbilt uh, on its on its permanent rotation. So. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I heard. I heard a rumor that solution pretty quickly. Bam Bama's going to play Vanderbilt three times in, in one of the <laughs> one of the proposed one, I mean, one of the proposed rotations. I mean, they can play Vandy's first team. They can play Vandy's second team, and then play Vandy's baseball team. Yeah, I mean, so, so it's uh, it, yeah, it remains to be seen. And there are a couple of schools where I, I don't know in. in in deciding what you preserve and what you don't preserve, right? There are there are a couple of schools that seemingly have more than three conference rivals in the SEC, right? Trimming Florida down to three teams, trimming Alabama or LSU to three teams, figuring out uh, the three teams that make the most sense for Texas. You know, th- those are some challenges yeah. I think for for the SEC as well if if they go to the the three and six system that that I think a, a lot of folks expect uh, will ultimately be the the, the desired result. And, and that's you're not going to be perfect with the way it is. Like you said, Texas has got a lot of rivals, Florida, Tennessee, um, you know, Georgia. You know, it's just, it's going to be impossible to make everybody happy. But I think the one thing that, um, you know, makes it a little bit easier to, to, to swallow is the fact that you're going to see them every other year. You know, so it's not it's not like the, the rivalry is going to go away, uh, go away. You might just instead of playing a team every year, you play them every other year, which is. You know, the players will still get a taste of it unless they're transfers, which a lot of them are now. But um, you know, I think that's that's unfortunate, but it's not a it's not a conference killer, and it's not something that I think is going to be as big of a deal um, in in practice and in execution than it will be when the rotations are announced, probably in a month or two. So. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for those teams. I would imagine Texas and Texas A&M and Texas and Oklahoma have to play. Um, and then at that point, okay, what happens with Texas A&M and LSU? That's a pretty big rivalry. Mm-hmm. Does that go away? Um, what's up with LSU, Florida? Do you stick with that? Um, you know, I, suggested, I think there's a lot of different questions to ask. Barrett, I suggested to Bill that LSU's three permanent opponents could be A&M and the two Mississippi schools, and he was disgusted. <laughs> yeah, I disgusted said no way. That suggestion. No way. Well, Ole Miss has got to be uh, one of LSU. I agree. I agree. That, and I, that has to happen. Yeah, I, I saw. I saw a model today that had Mississippi State uh, instead of Ole Miss for uh, for LSU, and I and and it had Ole Miss for Auburn. And I said, no, you definitely ought to flip those two. It would make more sense to have Auburn and Mississippi State and LSU and Ole Miss. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you can't you can't cancel the Magnolia Bowl if there's a no. um, there's a way to to keep it. I mean, there's plenty of ways to keep it because. I mean, it's one thing for like, Georgia, uh, I mean, Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, um, they're all kind of inter- intertwined a little bit in various ways. And uh, Miss- the Mississippi schools outside of the Egg Bowl and then Ole Miss versus LSU, are there any really 
deep ties anywhere else. I mean, I can't really think of any. You know, Ole Miss, you know, Ole Miss, we've got the Egg Bowl, and they play LSU in the Magnolia Bowl, and then Mississippi State's got the Egg Bowl. Where where are the other, you know, spots that are, you know, absolutely right. that you just can't for this? Yeah, you can't do without? No, yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, Ole Miss's games in Alabama have become big deals, I think, because of the social. You know, a lot of Alabama students end up at Ole Miss. And so it, you know, yeah. become, you know, sort of a social thing. And, and Ole Miss has, I mean, I guess that's also the case with Arkansas because Memphis, you know, is, is a, is an area that has a lot of Arkansas fans and a lot of Ole Miss fans. But, but you're right. It's, it's not, uh, some of these I think will be easier to trim off the schedule, uh, than, than others. I, I'll go in a different direction here. We're talking with Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Barrett, we just had John Cohen on, on the show, the, uh, the Auburn, uh, director of athletics. And he, uh, among the many things he talked about, about was uh, his his thoughts on NIL at the moment in college athletics and the role it has in building a team and he was sort of wishing for uh for, for uh, you know guidance or you know what wondering you know wh- how how regulation will come to the system i know there's been talk of uh, a federal uh, in, in, you know it, it, uh, Involvement in regulating NIL, whether it's you know something that comes through Congress or a federal agency becomes tasked with enforcing the rules. Where are we, as far as you can tell, on uh, federal involvement in regulating NIL in college athletics? Yeah, I think it's good. It just takes a long time, honestly, because of, of what accelerated the process. State laws—they're um, now kind of in the way to an extent. And when we saw a report uh, late last week that the state of Florida is looking to repeal their law, which is um, more restrictive and is creating more problems than uh, for the Gators and Hurricanes and UCF and Florida State. Then, uh, and then Alabama and South Carolina, I think, both paused their NIL laws or whatever restrictions were in there. Uh, so I think all of those issues, yeah, they're going to be part of it. And um, I think... You're t- looking at three, four years probably until it all sort of filters through. But uh, clearly it's becoming a bigger deal and a bigger issue for um, for a lot of these legislatures at the federal level. Um, I know Marsha Blackburn's been huge on trying to federalize things. Anthony Gonzalez, I think, from the state of Ohio has been as well. Um, you know, so I think that it will happen. Um, but you kind of have to take a step back a little bit and, and sort of reassess how uh, how it should be governed. And I think having, you know, the, the first year or two, you know, store to sort of stay um, within the, the state, individual states, um, you know, purview, I think is, is a good test case to see what actually, you know, or I hate this corporate term, but what are the best practices and then move from, move on from there. Yeah. And, and, and in the meantime, you, you wait to see if things do levelize. I mean, if things are going to sort of level out a little bit after the, you know, after, after the Jaden Rashada, uh, saga, and you know, you're wondering, is it just gonna, you know, there's some folks, some fans that just think it's just gonna keep going up and up. And no, it, there, there's gonna be a point where it can't do that. Uh, and, and you, and you surely hope, and everyone involved with college athletics, uh, is hoping that there, there are some kinds of parameters out there. Well, maybe the players aren't hoping there are, but I mean, anybody who's, who's really having to try to deal with it is. So, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a crazy situation and, we, we, you know, we're we're just on the the opening of this. We're just waiting to see what is next. Yeah, well, the market's going to correct itself. You know, I think that's why right now you're sort of in the golden age if you're a transfer or a high mm-hmm. schooler because 
you got to take advantage. And that's Jaden Rashada. Like, he's got some other people pulling the strings. But, I mean, dude, go get your money. Like, why, why not? It's there for you. There's a market for you. You might as well maximize it. But when, you know, these collectives and these schools and these boosters don't see the return on investment that they were expected, you know, the money's going to dry up a little bit. Which, I mean, that's, I guess it's kind of in a backwards way, you know, the way we're going about this. I mean, it is capitalism, and it's just a sort of slightly dysfunctional version of it, which is kind of par for the course for college yeah. athletics because dysfunction is kind of what the thing thrives on. No, and and it remains to be seen, you know, where the future leads. Jade Rashada picked a school, didn't he? Yeah, he's at Arizona State. Arizona, yeah, Arizona State. He was, he's going to play with uh, with, with Kenny Dillingham. Yeah, for, Dillingham. Former, yeah, former Auburn uh, offensive corner there. We were uh, another thing we talked about with uh, with John Cohen is the job Hugh Freeze has done in his first few weeks uh-huh. as Auburn coach, and uh, John Cohen expressed enthusiasm uh, for uh, the, uh, the the work of his new head coach. As as I think you can uh, uh, you you can believe why the folks who hired Hugh Freeze are. Uh, proud and happy thus far. They like uh, the results so with, far. You know with, with what Hugh has delivered, right, Barrett? Yeah, and I actually talked to, to Hugh for, uh, yesterday and have a story up on the site about it. And yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been a whirlwind for him, but the fact that he's able to manage all this stuff, get a, a, a good, really solid transfer class in, uh, figure out a way to, to solidify the high, high school recruiting class in like what two weeks. Um, you know, I think they everybody should be happy with what he's doing and. Um, you know, he's created a buzz around the program. Uh, he's, I think, uh, set himself up for a very interesting and probably very productive spring practice session. And, you know, still has the, um, the, the post spring practice transfer portal to sort of, um, mm-hmm. you know, pick and choose places and players and, and places that he needs. So he's done a great job. And, and I think it, you know, it's for, for anybody to manage what he's had to manage in terms of the calendar, you know, changing jobs from, you know, the, from going from a lower level FBS to the SEC in a time where you have NIL and early portal windows and the early signing period and hiring coaches all sort of combined into one, you know, three week period, he's done a great job. And I think that should definitely give Auburn fans, uh, you know, hope for the future because the other guy didn't really do that well. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Uh, and, and still more coaching moves going around as, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, Alabama's hires last week, and you're still seeing uh, some some uh, s- some coaches moving as we're getting. We're just about ready for the start of spring ball in a lot of places. Yeah, and uh, now the latest is Monkton uh, leaves yep. and Bobo comes in as Georgia's offensive coordinator, which is something that um, kind of we all sort of knew about last week. It was just sort of waiting around until Monkton officially could take that job or would take that job. And Bobo, I, I, look, you guys know it too. He gets unfairly criticized. His Georgia offenses were really good. I mean, really good. Mayor Murray is the current SEC passing yards leader because of, of Mike Bobo. And he also uses two backs very well. And I have the story going up on the site tomorrow, just sort of detailing, you know, why, you know, the offense really shouldn't miss that, a beat at, at Georgia uh, and why Bobo is a perfect fit. So, there's still all that stuff going on. I'm surprised uh, that there wasn't more uh, movement after traditional National Signing Day. You know, a lot of times we see that, and we, we saw it to an extent, but, you know, I'm surprised we didn't see, you know, uh, chaos like we have in years past. Let's move to baseball a little bit, right? It feels good. Pitchers and catchers. Braves, Braves are going to be you know, providing it. some headlines really soon. I'm so excited for this upcoming year. Uh, you know, you look at the Braves lineup, and it's hard not to say, I mean, they're, they're I think, Clearly in the top five 
of the National League. I mean, you could you could argue about who exactly is where. Who's Do- the shortstop to start? No, but but Dodgers, Padres, Mets, Phillies, Braves feel like the five best rosters in the National League in some order. Uh, with the Braves, yeah, I mean, they add Sean Murphy. How do they use Darno and Murphy together? Does one of them get some time at DH? Or will they? Will it be kind of an even timeshare between the two of them? Like you said, shortstop, uh, you have uh, Grissom and Arcia battling. Maybe the Braves will go kick the tires and add a player depending on uh, how Grissom is. Don't they have Echeverria too? They, they, yeah, they're inviting him to uh, yeah. to camp. Uh, yeah. In the outfield, you got Rosario, question mark, as a starter right now. Azuna also. <laughs> you know, those are two guys... You know, I, I guess that's yeah. Where, where are you on the Braves uh, lineup, especially uh, look, looking at the uh, look, looking at the hitters at, at the moment, Barrett? I know that there's a little bit of concern with Grissom just because it's been a short sample size, and he did kind of tail off, um, you know, toward the end of the season. But I think he'll be fine. Um, I, I, I <laughs> Eddie Rosario, man. Uh, it's so hard to trust that guy. It was a great NLCS two years ago. Yep. It was. I mean, it was unbelievable. But, dude, last year was terrible. And Ozuna... I know. Uh, yeah. Last year, Eddie, Rosa- Eddie Rosario struggled mightily uh, last he year. He couldn't <laughs> see. It's, it's, tough to play. it's tough to play baseball if you can't see, but, I mean... Yeah, you know. that is problematic, yes. Um, I, don't know if he, I don't know if he turned the corner afterward, though. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, LASIK might need to be performed again. Uh, Ozuna, it's one of those things with Ozuna that it's like, okay, we saw you carry the team during the COVID year. Like, he, he carried the team during the COVID year. Um, why can't he do that anymore? Like, what, 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 where's the, like, what's the problem? And yeah, so, is he a lot older than his there. birth certificate would say? I, I wonder about he that. Be. But it's, he still, he still gives you that glimpse every once in a while where it's like, oh, you still can absolutely rake. Yes. And then he strikes out, you know, nine times out of ten. It's just like, I, 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 I don't know what to make of that Rosario Ozuna sort of, uh, I wouldn't say platoon, just sort of question mark, but one of those two guys has to get right. I mean, it just, and if that happens, there's they're, they're not going to beat the Braves. Like, the, the lineup's just unbelievable top to bottom. Couple spots where uh, you know where, where the Braves are absolutely rock solid. Uh, the cup first first couple pitchers in the rotation, Matt Olson. Corners. Uh, yeah. jur- jury's still out on Austin Riley, but I mean, no, it's still, <laughs> they, no, they're, they're, they're a couple. They're some, no, they yeah. got some. They got some. Dan real... has always doubted him ever since I said he's going to really be good. Bill That's was like, more sure about Austin yeah. Riley than I was. I will concede that. And then no, and then and the division looks really good alongside the Braves. No, you're not. You had uh, you had Trey Turner. To a Philadelphia team that went to the World Series this past year, they're going to be without Bryce for a big chunk of the year, yep. it looks like. And then the Mets uh, added Correa for a couple of hours. I don't know. What, uh, I don't know exactly what happened there. Nah, they also they also it. went out and got Justin Verlander. Yeah, I was going to say they've the, got an older the, guy that's uh, been known to make a decent pitcher too. That's a, I mean, as as someone who roots for the Dodgers, Barrett, I may concede that on paper the Mets might. The Mets might have the best team in the National League, although it's the Mets. So we'll see. We'll see if that plays out on the field, uh, you know, as as it does on paper. I was going to say. I mean, there's four letters across the chest of that team that makes it makes all the analysis that you just had go out the window. The Mets, uh, Mets, Mets, you know, Mets. and the Phillies. Like, look, okay, the Phillies are good. Like, I, I'm not going to lie, the Phillies are good, um, but I'm not worried about the Mets. That they are. Just there, we all know the track record, and the fact that they have so much hope yet again after what happened last year just makes me giggle every time I think about it. <laughs> hey, 
hey, it is a, a great time of year. Sounds like you've got some uh, really, really great stuff that you've uh, just been putting up uh, and about to put up, too. Let everybody know how they can find it. Yeah, I got the feature on Hugh Freeze up today, and then uh, analysis on Bobo coming tomorrow. And then I know my colleague Dennis Dodd has done some, uh, done some talking to some coaches this week and should have some uh, features up later in the week as well. Great stuff, Barrett. Thanks, man. Have a great week. All right, thank you, I too. Barrett joining us as he does every Tuesday. Tell you what, as we go to break, let me let you know we have where we talked a little basketball. We have some tickets for the season opening baseball game Ooh. against Indiana. Remember, it's been moved to four o'clock. So if you'd like a pair of tickets to the Auburn Indiana game Friday afternoon at four o'clock, just call us and we will uh, lay them on you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We're back to wrap up hour number one here of the Tuesday Drive. So you want to know what it's like to be a college student at Southern Union? I'll tell you. You get the best of both worlds. Low costs and small class sizes. Plus all the perks that come from attending a school in an ideal college setting. Get as involved on campus as you want. Or buckle down and get ready to join the workforce fast. Visit suscc.edu to schedule an in-person tour or to register now for next semester. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. And welcome back in. We have a winner on the first pair of tickets for the Auburn Season opener Friday afternoon over at uh, Plainsman Park. Congratulations to Mark, who called in. We may have another pair that we can give away in hour number two, so stay tuned. Man, fast first hour with John Cohen, Barrett Selly. We'll talk with Scott Bagwell, Auburn, bas- Auburn High Basketball postseason. We'll talk about that at the start of hour number two. Then at the bottom of the hour, Jake Crane, in between, will get to calls. So stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Hey, it's Carter Bird from ESPN 1067's On the Line. Join Jack Hutton and me after every weekend Auburn University basketball game for After the Game. Jack and I will provide post-game analysis and take your calls. Sound off on the Auburn game as soon as it's over. Join After the Game on ESPN 1067, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care. Also by Chattanooga Property Shop, your one-stop shop for all things real estate. ESPN 1067. ESPN 1067. WGZZ HD3 Waverly and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. 
I'm Christine Lisi. As expected, the Raiders released quarterback Derek Carr ahead of when over $40 million of his contract would have been guaranteed. He's a free agent and can immediately sign anywhere. His best landing spot would be New Orleans, in the opinion of ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum. Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Raiders when he was uh, drafted. They need a quarterback. I think they have some really good young talent with Chris Olave, uh, Alvin Kamara, amongst others, top 10 defense. So to me, that's really a good fit. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on Canty and Carlin. The final two NFL head coaching vacancies have been filled, both by Eagles assistants. The Cardinals hired Philly defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, gave him a five-year contract. Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen introduced today as the new coach of the Colts. He brings quarterback expertise for a team that has long sought stability at the position. NBA add Jason Tatum to the long list of Celtics players out for tonight's marquee matchup against the Bucks. In addition to Tatum, Boston will be without Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. The Celtics lead the Eastern Conference by a game and a half on Milwaukee. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Hope everybody doing well on what has been a beautiful day. Hope you were with us for hour number one. It was a it was a fill. It was a full hour uh, of of great guests. Really, we had Auburn Athletics Director John Cohen at the start of the show. Had him on for twenty solid minutes or so. Then we had Barrett Selly at the bottom of the hour. We've got more guests coming up this hour. Let's go ahead and take care of some business, though. Hour number two of the drive. Brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And uh, when we when we have an opportunity here in a little bit, you'll be able to join us, or and we hope you will, on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and the number to get you through is 334-321. 1390. You can also text the show 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by our friend at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Uh, they, they also sponsor the podcast, which you can catch however you listen to podcasts. And I would recommend uh, seeking out the first hour at least of today's show via the podcast because we had uh, Director of Athletics John Cohen from, from Auburn University uh, to start the show and Barrett Salee uh, halfway through hour number one. So it was uh, good stuff uh, in hour number one uh, between uh, between the two guests that we were able to have. And and more of the guests continue. The as, second uh, hour could be good, too. I'm not... I'm not well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be. There's no reason that um, I'm not expecting it to be. Uh, we, we will start it off with another uh, trip from us to the Kia of Auburn hotline as we welcome in the... Uh, well, he's, he's the voice of Auburn High football and a lot of Auburn High sports, but he's he's busy... Coaching, helping coach Auburn High basketball 
which is, I believe, the team is on their way to uh, to Birmingham as the uh, postseason continues. And that's Scott Bagwell. Scott, how you doing today? Good. How are y'all doing? Do, doing pretty well. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, th- this is a it's a, a great time of year. I mean, here we are. Postseason for high school basketball coming down the stretch. College basketball got uh, the spring sports cranking up. I mean, it's uh, it, it it is a great time, and it's and it's great to be headed, even though to a a different venue. Usually, when I hear you know headed to Birmingham, you're thinking of the Final Four, but uh, but not quite there yet. Still, still some uh, hurdles to clear. Yeah, our road to Birmingham has to go through Birmingham. It's uh, it's one of those things where when we got the schedule, we were looking at it. We saw, hey, we might be going to Birmingham three times in three weeks. So um, hopefully we get familiar with the trip up 280. But, uh, you know, with the with the tip at, at about 130 for us, it was just easier to make the trip up tonight and uh, and get ready and then have a simple day tomorrow and uh, go to the go to the arena and be ready for the game. Oh, absolutely, and uh, uh, both both the uh, um, the the guys and the girls will be up there, and and uh, the girls what tip uh, the game before you guys, right? Yeah, the girls will tip at uh, twelve o'clock. They're playing um, they're playing Daphne uh, as the one seed. They'll get the two seed out of that Mobile area, and then we'll tip around one thirty. Um, and that's the third and the fourth game of the day. The central teams will start the day at about. Uh, Nine o'clock. Yeah, that means uh, it won't be one thirty. Yeah, it means it'll be closer right, to two. Right. Yeah. Yes. Depending on how everything plays out, uh, the earliest it'll probably be will be one thirty. Yeah. Now uh, we talked about this earlier, but people that that weren't aren't familiar or may have missed it when we talked about this earlier. Um, it really seems odd that you know uh, teams from from this area here in East. Central Alabama playing the teams from South Alabama up in Birmingham, but that's because uh, they, they couldn't find a more convenient uh, host location. Yeah, it was uh, Mo- or Montgomery has taken two regionals the past four or five years, and then um, you know basically this year they they said they didn't want it; they only wanted one. Nobody in the southern part of the state wanted to pick it up, Dothan, Mobile, anything like that. So uh, Birmingham was the, the one left to pick it up, and there's some some teams in one through six day in the Birmingham area, so that's why they kind of decided to do it. But that leaves us in Fairhope and Central and Foley and Daphne, all the teams that are in seven a having to make a two plus hour on the short end, two hour bus drive up to Birmingham on the long end. Oh, that's a long uh, drive from down in yeah, Southwest Alabama. Drive. Yeah, no yeah. question. And and having to do it a bunch. Yeah, you, you mentioned Fairhope. That's the uh, uh, that's the matchup for the for the Tigers tomorrow. Give us a scouting report. Yeah, you know, they're really good. They're like twenty six and two on the season. They knocked off Baker earlier in the year, um, and uh, the number one player in the state. Uh, they they have a guy that can fill it up. He had about forty four points or so in that game against Baker. Um, you know, catch and shoot. They got a good point guard. Uh, as well, they got some some height. I got about a six seven six eight kid that's really really good in the low block, um, and has a whole bunch of moves. So you know, they're a deep team. They're a good team. They're well coached, as you would expect, having to play a one seed um, after our heartbreaker against Central. But uh, you know we're we're confident that in the scouting report, and if we play our game and come out and, and start the game well, that that we should be okay. 
Scott, uh, give us a, um, a a brief overview of the boys' team and, and sort of what they do well and, and what uh, they need to uh, to still improve on as they head into the postseason. Well, you know, it's kind of kind of driven by by Jai Carr, our senior, um, a senior guard. He runs point at times, but uh, mainly runs off the ball. Uh, he's our leading scorer, probably also our leading assist guy. He'll get rebounds when we need it to, but everybody else fills in off of him. You know, we got seniors uh, in the starting lineup, and we got some experienced guys as well. Well, when we pass the ball, we play as a team. We're really good. You know, we're we're twenty, I think twenty five and four on the season. So it's not like uh, we've had a bad year. Um, but but when we play good basketball and we share the ball and we communicate on defense, we like our chances uh, to make a run here in the playoffs. But you know, we we've learned had to learn some lessons uh, d- during the season. You know, we had. Hit a couple of games where we got kind of stagnant on offense and kind of ball watched and, you know, relied too much on one on one, uh, basketball and not so much on team ball and, um, and, and got a little bit lazy on the defensive side. And, and once we got that corrected, we started playing good basketball. So, you know, we feel like if we come up here and, and do what we're supposed to do, do what we're coached to do, we have a chance to, uh, to make some noise here in the, in the postseason. Yeah. This Auburn High team doesn't seem to have, you know, superstars or anything like that, but uh, but but you're right. I mean, it's been that that team ball, and I, I like the idea of getting up there, uh, going ahead and getting there. I'm, I'm, I would imagine, I'm sure Fairhope is is coming up today as well, but that's a lot longer. Like we were saying, it's a lot longer ride for them, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully, you guys uh, um, get settled in, get a good get a good rest, and get out there and and uh, get after it from the start. Yeah, I mean, we just actually just pulled up into the uh, hotel as we speak. Um, yeah, that's the uh, yeah. That's the plan is is to get up here and get set, get rattled. We're going to have a uh, dinner tonight and then have a big breakfast. The one thirty tip kind of creates a, an odd an odd um, time. Because you know, when do you eat breakfast, right. lunch, and all that? So, so we've been sending some time trying to figure out how we want to do that and, uh, and and everything like that. But the big thing is find a way to get these kids just kind of in a routine. Luckily, we practice at about two o'clock every single day. So, the hope is the routine is kind of there, and then the one thirty we'll be ready to go tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Uh, of course, uh, Jack Hudden will have the have the uh, the broadcast, and it's going to be over on. Uh, sister station. So, uh, I guess from shortly afternoon there on, it'll be Auburn High girls and then boys. Best of luck, Scott. Hey, thanks for calling. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. All right. Scott Bagwell. See you, Scott. Joining us. Yeah. He's, uh, he's an assistant coach there with basketball and, of course, um, the, the voice of, of football. Got and some other and stuff baseball. going on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, got got a few things, and he and he and he has and he has a job, another job as well. That's right. He's got you know busy. Staying guy. busy, and uh, let's see, and uh, uh, it's just a little over a month, he'll have some more duties. So we're lo- looking, uh, yeah, look, looking forward to hearing how the uh, the the basketball playoffs go. You can catch all that on ninety six three W Lee. That is right, and, and online through the uh, radioalabama.net portal. You should can be on a little before noon tomorrow. Yeah, look, looking forward to uh, the coverage and the, uh, the the outstanding work we do here at Auburn Network, bringing you uh, Auburn High School playoffs. All right, I tell you what, we'll go ahead and get to break. We'll sort of clear the board here, and love for you to join in. Your thoughts on Auburn Missouri tonight? Anything you want to talk about sports wise? We're open till the bottom of the hour, so come on in and join us here on the Tuesday Drive.
Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan. And uh, we'll get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. And Terry gets us going this sec- uh, this segment. Hey, Terry. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Guys, help my uh, senior moment. Who was the player for the Padres last year that got suspended for performing enhancing drugs? That'd be Fernando Tatis Jr., the, uh, highly, okay, regarded, uh, the highly regarded shortstop turned outfielder, son of former major leaguer Fernando Tatis, uh, who is... Seen as, despite the, uh, the the turbulent start to his career, still seen as one of the top uh, young players in the sport and a a threat to have record-breaking a power. 40, type, 40, yeah. 50, 50 possible season yeah, I mean, if he ever I mean, stays a, a guy who, who projects like A-Rod did at the same age. Yeah. So will he be back this year? Is that suspension carry yeah, he's over got this a, year? He's got, what, 20-something 20 20, games? He's got to miss 20 games at the start of the year. It was a suspension that carried over from last year. And then he's uh, he is probably going to switch positions. The Padres went out and got Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox in the offseason to play shortstop. So it's probably going to be Tatis moving uh, to the outfield. Uh, and and there there isn't a better pair of corner outfielders in the sport than mm. Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr., in San Diego, once uh, once once he re- once he rejoins the lineup. Interesting. I didn't know. I, I kind of expected San Diego to make that move at some point this year. Hopefully. Well, they, I mean, this is this is. I mean, they yeah, push if they don't do it. If they don't do it really soon, then they're going to have to blow it up. Getting Juan Soto when they got him allows them to have three post seasons with Soto before he goes to free agency because he's under contract for next year as well. And then uh, Juan Soto uh, becomes a an unrestricted free agent. So they that's why they gave up as much as they did uh, to go get. Juan Soto, and yeah, I think if they don't win a World Series this year or next year, it's going to be tough to view the. the I, mean, I mean, I guess if they were to have great regular seasons and fall just short, that would change things a little. But it's going to be tough to view the Juan Soto acquisition as a big success if the uh, if if the Padres can't uh, go over the uh, you know climb over the hill and and win win the first championship in uh, franchise history. Yeah, it seems like I remember them going to the World Series in the '80s. Again, they played the Cubs in the NLCS. Lost to the yep, Yankees. Lost to the Yankees in the late '90s yep. as well. Uh, swept, swept by the Yankees, but they have not. Uh, and they were in the NLCS this past year, uh, losing to the Phillies. But no, they they have not uh, won a World Series. They're they're on that short list of franchises uh, that have uh, that have been around as long as they have and, and haven't won a championship yet. Well, Danny Bell, I want to get you guys' a, a opinion on something. I want to state mine first. The World Baseball Classic. Now, I know why they do it, and I understand why it's done, but I just am not big on these guys leaving the country to play for other teams because this is where they make their living. I understand why it's done because you'd have 175 guys on the American team. I realize that. Well, wait, but you want but, guys You want guys who, like, grew up in the Dominican Republic and got to America three years ago to be on the American team? Absolutely. That's where they make their <laughs> living, ain't it? No, but, but I think it's more about, I mean, it's more about the country you're from. 
Right, I like agree. And everybody, I'm sorry, look, I'm sorry, I see the point. Yeah, and and they and they and they are very proud to represent their their home country. Yeah, if, if everyone in Major League Baseball was eligible for Team America only, I think it would be a very not a very compelling World Baseball Classic. I, I get what you're saying, but I think it's more a celebration of you know the, the different the different the international yeah the, the countries yeah. of origin that right. provide that provide baseball players that end up in Major League Baseball. Well, I was just making the statement in reference to how they make their living, how much money these guys bring home, and that that's what I that's what I said. I didn't say I was against it; I just said I didn't like it. I don't. I don't think that's the same. Does thing. it really matter well, to you who thing. wins? Yeah, it, 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 you know, Terry. Does it really, really matter to you who wins the World Baseball Classic? Not really. I mean, I I, I enjoy seeing a little bit of baseball. I mean, that's that's yeah, the main I, thing. I don't think I don't think it makes you a traitor if you're from Japan yeah. and now you're in Major League Baseball to play for Japan in the World Baseball Classic. Like, I get what you're saying, but it's, uh, no, I, I think it's a little bit, it would defeat the purpose, I think, of the World Baseball Classic. Well, like Classic. I said, you'd have 100, 175 or 200 guys on the American roster. Yes, that's, <laughs> I, I think it would. Now, you know, it, at the same time, and this would be a separate thing from the World Baseball Classic, I think a game... Uh, an exhibition between the Japanese All Stars and the American, you know, and a, and a collection of American major leaguers would be. They've done that yeah, time, they, you know, a few times. They come over after their season and and played a little. Uh, sure, little like, exhibition. I, I think those th- sorts of things are, are are cool too. But no, I I get what you're saying, Terry. But I I think that the the point of the World Baseball Classic is to celebrate all right. the different countries that have provided celebrate baseball worldwide. Yeah, 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 sure, all the places that that provide players to the to the sport. So Barrett's he's a Mets fan, huh? No, he's no, he's a huge Braves. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, he loves those Mets. Yeah, he's no, he is. Uh, that that's one of those. Barrett, Barrett gets called a lot of things on social media by fans of different teams. You know, there's a lot of different agendas he apparently has. The one he does, the one he's never, never concerned about hiding is being a Braves. Yeah, fan. I, I, I assure you that that is the team he roots for in the NL East. Well, I'm no Mets fan either. I was uh, they they broke my heart in '86, Bill. You remember this? And they beat the Astros. And I oh, thought yeah. the Astros was the better team, and they had to win that game six because they did not want to see Mike Scott again. Nope, no. Way. And that's why they did it. So, but that that's I, I, it, he's right. That four letter four letter word across our chest, Mets. They do it in every. I, I don't worry about them. I mean, this is. I would say they have collected on paper either the best or one of the two or three best teams in the league this year. But they're a little older. They're a little older. A little and, uh, they need they need to go ahead and do it. And, and the, well, the yeah, Phillies got, worry me a lot more. Well, and, and the Phillies were yeah, able I to. I think they should. Although without without Bryce for a big chunk of the year, I mean, it could be a little bit of a setback for sure. Phillies mm-hmm. uh, for Phillies lineup. But but no, I'd say it's a good Mets team. But you got to see it. You got to see it work sure. out on the field. Sure. Hey, Grady, we're at the top of the show, guys. You have a great day. Appreciate the call, Terry. Yes, and he's talking about the uh, the interview with John Cohen. The Auburn Athletics Director, who was uh, kind enough to spend uh, 15 or 20 minutes with us. Hopefully you had a chance to hear that. If you missed it, um, you can check it out on the podcast. That's right. Podcast of the Drive, available however you listen to podcasts. Search for uh, The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to RadioAlabama.net, ESPNAU.com. Lots of different ways to find it. It's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And yeah, it was uh, uh, very cool to get to talk with John Cohen at the beginning of the show and, and looking forward to, uh, uh, to to one day having him on again and um, maybe rerunning that interview uh, later in the week for people who weren't able to hear it at the top of the show. Tonight, uh, as a matter of fact, in, in about 40 minutes, Auburn and Missouri from uh, Neville Arena, a Missouri team that is really playing well, an Auburn team that hasn't been playing poorly, but they're trying to stop the skid. Auburn has lost five of six. I believe Missouri's won five of six. And the 
Uh, those Tigers come in 19-6, and six, tied with Auburn and Kentucky for fourth in the SEC. And uh, they come in, they are a, um, a high-scoring team, one of the top-scoring teams in the SEC. They average 10 points a game more than Auburn. They give up 10 points a game more than Auburn. I mean, it should be a heck of a ball game. Bruce Pearl yesterday saying it's going to be an exciting game to watch because Missouri wants to get up and down the court, and Auburn's never had a problem with that type of play. Yeah, Missouri coming off a miraculous win uh, with the three-pointer at the buzzer against Tennessee, which which helped them pick up an impressive road win in Knoxville, uh, one of the better road wins anyone has in the SEC, and now they turn around and play at Auburn. Yeah, tough road trip. On a Tuesday night, and Dennis Gates, you know, has his, I mean, imagine if he can come back to Columbia. Right, having won. Oh man, if they go, if they if they go sweep the road trip at Tennessee and Auburn. Yeah, I mean, in in a for a first year coach that I don't think had sky high expectations for his team. I mean, there's an argument if they win today. The question is, how close are they to being the second best team in the league? Right, I mean, after Alabama, if they, if they win, I mean, having won, if they in, win today, they, they would probably be seated the second highest even though they may not finish second in the SEC. Yeah, the standings may not say that they're the right. second-best team in the league, but they would have uh, probably the second-best, or, or they'd still have the third-best resume, but they would also have that win in Knoxville against Tennessee, a team with the second-best resume. So it's, uh, oh, it's a big big opportunity uh, for uh, Dennis Gates and Missouri to pick up a win at Auburn. And like you said, Bruce Pearl has not been shy about the importance of this game. He's called it a must-win game for his team. And I don't know if we talked about this at the beginning, He's challenged the fans a little he has bit to get out there. Concern. I mean, obviously it is Valentine's, so there'll be some folks that are, you know, that had Valentine's plans. It's a six o'clock game. He's worried about folks being able to get to the game from far distances, getting here in time. Uh and and quite frankly, there were there were um more than a hundred open seats. In the Saturday game against Alabama. Now, granted, part of that may have been because of the weather, but I was really surprised to look and see empty seats there for Alabama. And uh, I, I think he's really sort of challenged the the jungle, the student section, and and fans with season tickets that if they're not going, please find somebody to use those tickets. And I was out of town for, for most of the weekend. I know you were out of town Friday night uh, uh-huh. seeing my, our guy Johnny Cougar. Uh, but the... Uh, I was under the impression that the atmosphere around town made it seem like there was a really big game. There was tailgating on Saturday uh, before uh, the Auburn-Alabama game. And it was, a lot it was of folks, nasty weather, too. A lot, lot of folks downtown on Saturday night. So it's, uh, it's a little bit surprising to hear that there were good seats available for game day. I think some folks just decided to stay there and not go out and get in the yeah, rain. May- and go to the and and go to the arena. Maybe, but I, I would hope that I would hope that Neville is rocking uh, tonight for uh, for, for yeah, Missouri. Gonna, with, with I, I Pearl, hope so. Yeah, with I hope Pearl so because because uh, get out there. because as, as Bruce Pearl as Bruce was saying, I mean the that energy when the place really gets going is tough for other teams. And I mean, Missouri is not going to be overwhelmed after having played in Knoxville. Over the weekend, Missouri's also scored 80-plus points in three of their last four. This is a team that's going to challenge Auburn they are. to score some points. And, and well, challenge the Auburn defense, which yeah. oh, Auburn, one of the better defensive teams in the SEC, only allowing 65 a game. I mean, some of these points totaled I mean, 89 points in Oxford earlier this season. 80 then, points in Knoxville, though. Auburn scored 
43. 86, 86 in the yeah, win. They doubled They doubled the number of points that Auburn scored up there. Eight, 87 at home against LSU earlier this month. They put up 83 against South Carolina as well. So, I mean, this is a Missouri team that can score some points. They've got some talented players that could be matchup problems. Kobe Brown. Kobe Brown is a guy, I mean, Bruce always talks about him. I mean, talking, mentioning that, that Auburn recruited him and, and didn't get him. And Kobe Brown has had some really Really good games against Auburn. And for the talk of Auburn being able to use some help on the wing, how about a guy uh, shooting 46% from three this season in Kobe Brown? Mm. I mean, this, this guy is, this guy is hitting. Uh, that, that is the, if, if Auburn had that. A six eight guard who hits forty six percent of his threes. They, they, I mean, they could be as good as anybody. And that's he's from Hunts, and he's from Huntsville, Huntsville. too. Yeah, that's I mean, right. This guy is. Uh, so you're going to get a little taste of that. Sixteen and a half and six. By the way, um, Kobe Brown could be on the first team, all conference. Well, I mean, uh, that, you that know, is, Bruce Bruce did say he is definitely one of the one of the main candidates for player of the year in the league. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a first teamer. I mean, I might still think he's a load too. Does, does Oscar mean, does, does Oscar still have the the inside track? You think for Player of the Year, or do you think Kentucky I wonder struggles? with Kentucky sort of struggling? And yeah. Oscar's had some games where he just sort of disappeared. Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller will be a candidate. He's he's freshman of the year. He might and he might, and he might be Player of the Year. Yes. I mean, especially yes. especially if they were to win it all. Yeah. Like, I mean, in, in the conference and, and do what they could do. So no, there's a, there's a couple interesting candidates out there. Uh, but uh, Kobe Brown, Auburn's going to see one of them tonight. And like you said, makes it a little bit. A little bit more bittersweet because this is a guy who is was from Alabama and mm-hmm. uh, grew up in Huntsville and near, nearly went to Auburn. Auburn recruited him. Uh, he ended up in Missouri instead. Yeah, so uh, again, 6 o'clock tip. 109 starts at Missouri for Kobe Brown. This is an experienced, dangerous scorer that Auburn's going to have to figure out. And I don't know. Yeah, who matches Flanagan? up with him? You send Flanagan because the other two... Flanagan and Jalen. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be those guys because he, he plays... Wing, but but he, you know he knows to take it inside. He, I think he's at least two forty. Maybe it's Jalen, but it's he's, Jaylen. he's not a he's not a you know he's not a six eight rail. Jalen's gonna have to be on the perimeter more than he usually is if it's yeah. gonna be Jalen because Kobe Brown well, you know, hunts out there. So Jalen Jalen's not uncomfortable out there. Yeah, no, I guess Jaylen a guy like well. that. Yeah, Jalen defends well. So. Yeah. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Jake Crane is up next on the uh, the the guest list today. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls here in the studio and back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. We go one more time today. As we welcome in 
Jake Crane from Crane and Company. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, guys. Always a pleasure to come on. Jake, we were uh, fortunate enough earlier in the show uh, to uh, talk with John Cohen, uh, Auburn's uh, director of athletics, who's been on the job for a couple of months, coming over from Mississippi State. He's had a splashy few months on the job, including uh, hiring Hugh Freeze. And uh, I'd love to know uh, your thoughts on the job John Cohen uh, is doing uh, since uh, taking office at Auburn. Yeah, well, you know, look, I mean, so far he's done a great job. You know, you got you got to see it on the field. You know, that's what it's going to come down to. All the stuff off the field is great, but it's going to come down to winning or losing. And when you're at Auburn, football is obviously the, the top thing on the totem pole. So hiring Hugh Freeze, I think, was the right decision. Uh, I think he's vindicating that decision as we speak. But uh, until until it happens on the field, the, the job is not done, and then it's never done because you got to keep doing it. But I think, you know, Athletic Director Cohen understands that. He understood that when he took the Auburn job. And, and he wanted to be in this position, and, and so far, I think he's done a, a pretty daggum good job. That's right, and uh, and of course, like you said, we still need to see what it looks like on the field. But reasons for optimism across a, a couple of different sports. Disappointing loss on Saturday as Auburn had yeah. Alabama on the ropes for much of the uh, of the showdown. Uh, but Alabama comes through at the end, like Bruce Pearl said. Uh, Auburn played really well, uh, not well enough to beat uh, the uh, the best team in college basketball. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it is what it is. I mean, Auburn struggles down the stretch. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. When, when it comes down to Alabama, Alabama's got a much better roster than what Auburn has. I mean, when you look out there and you're seeing what Griffin's doing and, and you're seeing what the backups are able to do and then you see some of the guys that Auburn has in there, at the end of the day, players win games. NBA players win games. And Alabama just has more NBA players than Auburn has right now. But Auburn has struggled when it matters most. And the crazy thing was, you know, they were shooting decent uh, for a while in that game, playing hard on defense. They, they were running Alabama off the three-point line and gave themselves a chance, but it seems like there's no real killer on this team. And you thought it was going to be K.D. Johnson, but, you know, he just it feels like he's just forcing it all the time. They just really don't have a killer at the end that can put the team on his back like we've seen in the past and say, you know what, we're not losing this game because we have me. Auburn doesn't have that guy right now. And Bruce Pearl's the best thing ever happened to Auburn. I think, you know, this is somewhat of a, a blip uh, in, in what's happening. You look at the way Auburn's recruiting. Uh, but when you don't shoot well and then you shoot decent in the game and you just forget down the stretch, and it's not just on offense. It's on defense, too. I mean, Auburn couldn't get a stop or score. And when you can't do that when it matters most, you're not going to win any game in any sport. There were some trends uh, that, that... – uh, reappeared uh, for Auburn at the end of games, some things that have happened in some other SEC games. I thought a lot of the win Saturday was about Alabama, though, and, and the way they overcame the adversity of the first 30, 33 minutes of that game to play as well as they did down the stretch. What's the ceiling for this Alabama team, Jake, and, and do you think uh, they've got a real shot of winning it all? No, I mean, look, I think they're the best team in college basketball right now. The problem's going to come, though, because Jani Broom was awful last Saturday. The problem for Bama is going to come when they run into a team that has a legit big man and slows the game down. Kind of kind of like the tempo that UCLA plays at because it's going to take them out of their element a little bit. And we all know when you get to the tournament, there's always a couple games where you don't shoot great. And when you don't shoot great, you got to be able to win rock fights. I think this Alabama team has improved defensively but if they run into somebody that has a legitimate big that can dominate down low, draw on a double team, and leave guys open for threes, and they slow the game down, 
Alabama can be beat. I think this year in college basketball is about as much parity as, as we've had. I mean, North Carolina's not very good, believe it or not. Kentucky's not very good. Duke's not very good. Kansas isn't what they were last year. They're, they're good. They Jake, how, it, how, about, I think, how about zero votes in the AP poll this week for Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky combined? Which is, is, I, mean, has, is, I wonder if that's ever happened. No, I, I can't remember when it's happened. Now, Kentucky, you know, I could continue to say that John Calipari does less with more than just about anybody. He should be, you know, sponsored by Charmin Ultra. But, uh, no, it's it's one of those those wacky years. I mean, Florida State's struggling in the ACC. Syracuse isn't dominating. I tell you a team to watch out for now. And I know Alabama beat them earlier in the year, but this Houston yeah, team, Houston's they don't good. have a legit big. And if Miami's six foot seven center can just play good, Miami can win this whole thing. And Auburn fans know that. They saw what Wong did last year. Now, they lost the big white guy down low, but I'm telling you, Miami with Nigel Pack, the transfer from Kansas State, who's just a walk-in three-pointer, that team's kind of scary, too, and they're 21-5 and five and ranked 15th. Yeah, Miami looks better than last year's team that went to the Elite Eight, which is a scary thought because last year's team was hell on wheels in the, uh, in, in the postseason. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the, the Miami Hurricanes. I'd love to see what Alabama looks like against a top-tier Big 12 team in a winner-take-all game like Kansas or Baylor. And I love what you, the, the point you made about UCLA because that's a team. And granted, I'm a homer, Jake. Uh, but if if we you know if we saw a bracket today and it looked like Jerry Palm's bracket or Joe Lenardi's bracket, I might take UCLA to win the whole thing the way they're playing right. Look, now. Mick Cronin plays a style that translates in March. They they they're versatile in what they can do because they have a point guard that understands tempo maybe better than any other point guard in the country when it comes to Tiger Campbell. We know Hawkes uh, is a walk in bucket. He's the mid range king. But they play team basketball so well, and they know who they are. And that's what translates. Guards that can control the tempo and teams with identity. Those are the ones who win in March because, again, the shots aren't always falling. And just like in any sport, the team that can win in the most ways does well in sudden death tournaments. I so think do not Tiger, be shocked. Tiger Campbell, was on, Tiger Campbell was on the UCLA teams that went to the Final Four against Billy Donovan's Gators right in the mid-2000s. Look, he's been he's there been, for 30 years. Yeah. I, I still think he's the... I I think he's the kid from Major Payne. Uh, no, I, I love seeing I love seeing Tiger out there, and uh, and yeah, that, that's a, that's a UCLA team that that I think is going to be a position really tough. You mentioned Florida State earlier. I got an idea, Jake. Let, let, look, let's look at a couple of jobs that may open up uh, this uh, this offseason. That, that Niceville Florida is coming out in you tonight, Dan. Yeah, I know, I know. It's uh, well, it, speaking of Niceville, you got uh, something going on there at, at New Mexico State uh, with the former Northwest, oh, not the for, former Northwest Florida State coach. Uh, in a turbulent first season at New Mexico State, you can read up on that one if you want. Uh, with uh, I think Leonard Hamilton uh, at, at Florida State is is a uh, is maybe coaching his final season there. It's it's understandable. He's had a great tenure. Uh, I I believe Florida State when they called off the tournament in 2020. I thought they were the best team in college basketball uh, going into that 2020 NCAA tournament. They were in position to maybe win it all. He's had some other good runs, but they are, they've been brutal uh, this season. And I was thinking, uh, if you take Jerry Stackhouse and you move him to Tallahassee and give him some players with the sets, with the sets he's running and some of the stuff he's cooked up, I think Jerry Stackhouse would win at Florida State, and I think he'd maybe win big. Look, I, I don't think that'd be a bad hire at all. I'm going to be honest with you. The Auburn fan in me, after what they did with Tony Douglas, I hope they never win another game. But, uh, no, look, Stack, Stack can coach. 
Like, and people, and look, some of the stuff he says off the court, you know, it's it, whatever. But, like, when it comes down to in-game coaching and, and, like, emotional, like, connection, like, Stack can do it. If you watch, he's getting every inch out of what they have at Vanderbilt. I mean, every single inch. They just beat Tennessee. Hell, I mean, they and, and if you look at quality of player, people don't realize how good Scottie Pippen Jr. was. He kept them in a lot of games. But at the end of the day, Stack, when it comes to in-game coaching, is a witch. I think, I think Stack also signed uh, DeSue. Who is uh, who left yeah. after a year and is now starting for Texas? Uh, you know who's also in the conversation as as one of the best teams in all of college basketball. I've been even even though the win loss record isn't stellar, I've been real impressed with the teams that Jerry Stackhouse takes out there. And I think at a place where you have more resources to win in men's basketball, I think Jerry Stackhouse would do a really really good job. And Florida yeah. State comes to mind at a place that checks some of those boxes. Ole Miss might come open. Feels like this season has been a bit of a farewell tour for Kermit. Davis, I think there's yeah. one name, Jake, and I, and you you can use your reach can to I get the ball. It? Can I guess it? Ooh, can I guess? It? I think there's one Wait. name you call at Will at Wade. Miss. Ooh, that one's not Will bad. Wade. I'm going old school with this one. I'm going Will Wade before it was Will Wade. I think you call Rick Pitino at Ole Miss, and Ooh. I think I think Ole Miss calls Rick Pitino, and everybody <laughs> everybody laughs and makes their jokes, and in two years, he's got the villains from Space Jam playing in Ole Miss uniforms, <laughs> and nobody's laughing anymore. What do you think of that? Look, I think Rick would take it. I think they're going to hire Will Wade. I, I really, really do think they're going to hire Will Wade. And you know what? I'm shocked that Kermit – I didn't think Kermit Davis was going to go there, and they're going to be like a – perennial elite eight or sweet 16 team but i can't believe after what kermit did at middle tennessee state uh that he has struggled so mightily at ole miss I, that's one of the most surprising uh kind of downfalls of, of a coach because he's an older guy he knows the deal i was surprised but you know another guy i wouldn't mind calling hey look let's 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 rekindle the relationship andy kennedy you made a mistake we made a mistake Let's just get together and bring the band back together. What is your read on Chris Beard as a candidate for jobs this offseason? Well, like, here's the hard part problem with that. I don't know exactly. Like, I know the, the woman dropped the charges, and they're dropped. There are no charges. But I just don't know right now in the climate that we're in, which is, you know, think that what you may, that he's hireable. This may need to be a wait a couple years, then come back. But the only pro- big difference between him and Bruce Pearl, like that, Chris Beard didn't go in on ESPN anytime soon. And obviously one had a barbecue and the other was accused of what he was accused of, which the charges did get dropped. So I, I think it's going to be one of those kind of wait a couple years and then come back. But I don't think he's done. Yeah, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's coaching next season. In college basketball, I do think there are going to be some fan bases sort of screaming for, for their team to push the Chris Beard button. Uh, if if uh, if things don't continue, I think we probably have talked about a couple of schools where there are fan bases that would think you know Chris Beard would be a uh, a solution uh, to some problems. But no, I, I I think you're you're right on that one, Jake. It's going to take a little bit of time before Chris Beard can uh, uh, can return uh, to uh, college basketball. We're talking with uh, Jake Crane uh, from Crane and Company here on the Tuesday edition of the drive. Uh, let's switch to college football a little bit, Jake. I'd, uh, I'd love your thoughts on Mike Bobo uh, taking the reins uh, in Georgia uh, with Todd Munkin heading back to the NFL. Yeah, he's going back to Georgia to coach for the 27th time, so really, really excited uh, uh, about that for him. But no, it was Tiger, look, it was Tiger Campbell's, Campbell's freshman year, right, when Mike, when Mike Bobo got to Georgia? 
yeah, no, I think he was his freshman year in high school. Um, no, look, at the end of the day, players make the system work, okay? I mean, people forget Todd Munkin started Dewan Mathis, okay? The dude wasn't perfect either. When you have the best players, the system tends to work a lot better, and your job is just to put them in position. He can put them in position, uh, and, to, and they're going to have success. It's similar to what Munkin does. I don't think he can be as exotic as Munkin can get in the pass game out of lighter personnel. Look, we saw it at Auburn, but again, he's playing with the players from Auburn. Give him the players from Georgia and watch what happens. It comes down to players. You just got to be competent enough. Mike knows where all the best restaurants are. He knows where to recruit. He knows the deal. It's going to be an easy transition terminology-wise. He'll be fine. Georgia has great players. That's how you win games. Right, and, we, and we've seen some coordinator news of late, and you know, I think it's, uh, I mean, the, the splashiest one probably all season was Petrino, right? You know, for for different reasons as far yeah. as the, the most the most intriguing addition to a uh, uh, to to a, a a system in the conference. How is Jimbo going to coexist not just with any uh, offensive coordinator sort of running his offense for him, but with with someone like Bobby Petrino, who is known to be. Prickly, you know, before he was a before he was a senator, we used to have Tommy Tuberville on, and he would tell stories about about Bobby Petrino as a coordinator. And it's you know, it's a uh, he's an acquired taste. He's a spicy uh, spicy brand of salsa. So I'd I'd like to know your thoughts on on how the Petrino thing uh, could go at Texas A and M. Yeah, the only way they screw it up is if they let their egos get in the way. I mean, that's that's the biggest push and pull. I mean, you see Jimbo say, well, you know, I'm not totally giving up play calling. Look, you better figure it out because if it starts going bad, you got two big egos that are going to clash. So I think think it's going to work. I actually do because if you just look at where they're at. But if Jimbo gets greedy, or all of a sudden it starts hitting. Jimbo wants to get his hand in there to get a little bit, get a little bit of the credit and those accolades. Dude, get the credit and accolades from hiring the guy. That's your job as a head coach. So uh, I think it's going to work. It's just going to come down to can your egos get along, and and we'll see. I, I don't have a uh, a sundial on that one because we hadn't seen it before. Patino, uh, Patrino actually reminds me a little bit of what we were saying about Rick Patino a little bit earlier. Like people might snicker and they might make references to his past, but if you get the guy, the players. I, like I've seen it before. Like he he will make it work if he's given uh, the the correct uh, ingredients to cook with. And uh, and and A and M uh, has recruited uh, some some exciting players at different positions over the last few years. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like with Bobby Petrino uh, as as the uh, as the head chef. Yeah. No. Again, look. You gotta get. You give him the pieces. You give him the chessboard. Bobby can do it. It's just you know, can they co-mingle? Can they coexist? Whether it's going good or whether it's going bad, I know they've had that conversation. And again, we'll see. But I, I like to hire. Jake, uh, we're uh, we're short on time. There's a lot going on. We didn't mention the Super Bowl, uh, which was on Sunday. Great game, and uh, and, yeah. and a lot of other a lot of other cool stuff uh, going on around the world. You know, I was we we just talked about it briefly uh, yesterday. I think it's so cool that Demarcus Ware uh, got, got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and, and a well deserved yeah. honor uh, for a uh, for for an Auburn High School guy and and someone who uh, is is beloved at Troy University too. So uh, so yeah, a lot going on, and, and we'll talk uh, we'll talk more of it uh, the next time we have you on. Tell uh, tell yeah. everybody how they can find. Uh, the work you do at Crane and Company. Yeah, we just had Hugh Freeze on. Just go to YouTube, type in C-R-A-I-N and Company, and you'll find it. It's a great interview. Uh, we're talking all college football, NFL, college basketball, all that stuff. Live in the morning from 6.30 to 8 Central. Uh, come check us out. It wasn't Crane and Company, but I made. I was the first guest, right? I was the, I was yes, the, the flag. You were the, in, my, in, my, in my media career, Dan Peck, 
will forever go down as the first guest ever. Man. That's right. No matter what else happens, all right. I was. And you I have was, to. Be, you have to be the last at some point. All right. Well, just, just oh, a full circle. Everything. Hopefully, I can come back on before I'm the last one ever. I don't want to wait until your retire, oh, yeah, your retirement yeah. episode. But we'll. Uh, <laughs> but no, we'll we'll definitely reconnect uh, sometime soon. Look, looking forward to it, Jake. Great stuff as always. Yeah, see you, brother. Appreciate it. Jake Crane from Crane and Company here joining us on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Bill stepped out during that interview, by the way. little little uh, theater of the mind radio. Bill's uh, on his way uh, to Neville Arena uh, to get to his seat in time uh, for tip-off. We're going to be right back to wrap up what has been an action-packed Tuesday edition of The Drive. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Final segment of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Drew at the controls. Bill Cameron will be back tomorrow uh, to recap Auburn's game against Missouri. I'll be back on the show as well. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will join us as he does in uh, the uh, first hour on Wednesdays. And uh, we'll probably work in uh, a, a replay at some point this week of our interview with Auburn University Director of Athletics John Cohen, who uh, appeared on the show at the very start of the show. And if you uh, missed that, you should check out the podcast. However you listen to podcasts, just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron. Lots of cool stuff. I had not heard John Cohen give his thoughts on things like NIL, uh, Auburn facilities that he thinks need upgrading. He mentioned the North End Zone, which I think is the first time he's mentioned that uh, publicly as as a as a desire uh, to, uh, to to upgrade as as Auburn AD. And some uh, and, he, and he mentioned his excitement about the uh, not just the upcoming baseball season, but also the facility upgrades that are coming uh, to uh, Plainsman Park following the season this year. So check out the podcast. Can't recap it all right now, but some great stuff. Also talked to Barrett Salee from CBS Sports. We talked with Scott Bagwell, uh, who uh, helped us preview Auburn High School uh, boys and girls basketball in the postseason. You can catch all of that on Wings uh, on 96.3 W. Lee uh, this uh, this postseason. And we talked with Jake Crane from Crane & Company uh, about uh, everything going on in in the world of sports. Some great stuff with all of our guests. want to thank you all uh, for listening. want to thank all of our guests for making some time for us on a busy Tuesday. And uh, yeah, Looking forward to Auburn and Missouri tonight. Should be a great matchup. Missouri, a dangerous offensive team, one of the best offenses in the SEC. Kobe Brown uh, making an, an argument for SEC Player of the Year. I think he's going to end up on the first team. Not sure he's going to be Player of the Year, but Missouri has some games left. He can make a compelling argument uh, that, that he belongs at the uh, very top of the league uh, individually this season. Can Auburn slow it down? Can Auburn pick up a win in what Bruce Pearl called a must-win game tonight? at Neville Arena, and that is getting started momentarily. Auburn and 